0: what does it mean to master the game of life like any game it requires a fundamental understanding and application of the rules but living in today's on-demand society is making this nearly impossible as our attention is increasingly being fought over and monetized by others will moore's mission is to help you hit the reset button by providing a new set of game rules based on time proven universal principles and modern science to gamify your life by making it fun and addictive to replace your habits and the five core areas of your life proven to lead to true happiness. Ready, player one.
1: Hey, buddy. Hey, how are you, Will?
2: Great to see you, man. Thanks for being on.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great to be here.
2: Well, so I'll give you the you know I'll give you the quick intro. You're you're an actor, director, producer. When when your team reached out to mine um, to to set this up, I was initially I was very intrigued by the fact that you've got this performance mindset which helps to complement actors and creators uh, to use their mindset and techniques to to take their work to the next level, helping them relieve stress, burnout. So I like I love the concept of combining creativity and, you know, wellness. And it's kind of ties into what I'm doing with the gamification and trying to sort of any way you can to sort of trick your mind into doing things that you already like to do and that you naturally are good at and, and want to do and then incorporating things that are gonna help you not only in that particular field, but in the rest of your life, I'm all in on. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about what it is that you're doing and your journey to get here? Sure,
1: yeah, I, I love the way you described that. And you know, it really is a bridge what we're seeking to do between a couple different things. We have these times in our life when we have to be switched on and we have to be present to what's happening. And that to me is a performance. So whether it's going to the supermarket for the first time after you've been home for a while or getting on an airplane or having a tense conversation with a relative or whether it's in your craft, right? You're on a field, you're on a stage, you're in front of a thousand people. The same principles apply. And so at The Performer's Mindset, we're really interested in the intersection between art and sport, the intersection between you know, our creativity and science-backed practices. So right. what is it that the elite athletes and coaches have gleaned from being studied with billions of dollars behind them that we can adapt to our daily practice habits so that we can get switched on for life's biggest moments and then come down and get ready
2: for the next wave? I love that. I love that. And that's really you know, science that, that's, that's what it comes down to for me is, you know, a, as I, you know, I, I started my journey earlier in college and I started reading books and I was, um, the short story for me is I was suicidal, I had a rough childhood and was like, my brain's broken. I was your typical, I call it a fixed victim, but, hmm. um, you know, my, I, I was born a certain way. There's no way I can change it. What's the uh-huh. point? The world's out to get me. Maybe I'll hit the lottery one day and everything will be fixed. Right. <laughs> Cause it's not, it's not something I'm going to be able to do. And, um, I started, and I was introduced, uh, serendipitously to a book called how to win friends and influence people. And I read it and it, and it was so many like studies and that's what, that's what got me. And I kind of want to bring attention to what you just said, because there's so many people out there right now. I feel like that are like self-proclaimed experts. I'm not an expert. You're not an expert. We're just, we're all humans trying to strive to understand. But what I would say is there's a difference between somebody that just sees a quote Or something that's inspiring and then reposts it and says it in, you know, and then says, hey, I'm an expert, you know, follow my advice and whatnot versus looking at actual scientific data and evidence and those who use that as the as the groundwork for the stuff that they're doing. And I just think that that's so important. And the more that I go along in this this journey and, and, and doing this stuff and trying to help people, the more I realize how important it is for people to really understand the science behind the advice that you're giving them Mm -hmm. and not just say you should because, because it all goes down to, and I'm sure with what you're doing with the acting, it probably maybe doesn't, but tell me if this resonates that, that internal core, that why that motivator inside us all that kind of spark of like, why we take action, why we don't. And just telling somebody, Hey, you should lose weight because Mm -hmm. you're fat doesn't work. But when they when they see the science of what will actually happen to them over time if they continue on the same, you know, eating patterns and not exercising, their weight, their their looks, their health, their longevity, not being able to see their their kids, all these things, then it starts to trigger, right? And mm-hmm. and there's just so much noise coming at us in so many different directions these days, and I feel like science isn't playing as big of a part as it should be, especially, you know, getting into politics and stuff. And you got certain people sometimes saying, well, don't believe the science. And it's like, no, hmm. that's all you should believe. Like, don't believe the other bullshit that are theories. Like if, some, if a scientific study has been done and it's been repeated and it's been proven over time, I call these total truths. And it's like a universal principle. You can hang your hat on it. This is something that we've discovered as human beings. Let's pay attention to it. It's, it's hmm. been around since the beginning of man. It's gonna be around until we destroy ourselves. Let's base our actions and our habits around that, right?
1: Yeah, I love that. And I really appreciate you sharing part of your origin story. And I think you and I connect in that space. Um, I, for, for me as a, as a teenager, I didn't have any confidence. Um, I think part of it was my world was rocked by divorce, divorced parents. My mom was not on stable footing. She was struggling with addiction. Uh, And in high school, um, I was a bundle of nerves. I had ulcers and um, I had an English teacher who encouraged me to come down and check out what they were doing in theater. And it was a community and people were having fun and I could see myself doing what they were doing. I just was consumed with nerves and those nerves didn't go away. The nerves, um, I, I jokingly say that I discovered God in the toilet because up until that point, I didn't really have like a religious connection with God. Um, But God to me was a very spiritual experience, maybe that I had different moments in my life, lying in the grass and wondering at the greater, you know, elements of nature and really wanting there to be something out there, some presence out there that was for my good. I felt really alone. And so I said to whatever it was that was out there, please help me take this pain away from my stomach. And it did. And then I went on stage and I was able to uh, feel like a different version of myself. And that continued for four years. Every single time I found myself in a bathroom stall, doubled over in pain. And I say that part of it because I didn't understand what was happening in my body. I didn't understand the effect that the coffee I was having every day because I was accompanying my mother to AA meetings. And I'd sit in the back and listen to these stories and I'd drink these huge coffees because that's what people did. They were smoking and they were... Drinking coffee and they were transferring some of their habits to other things and as a 13 year old who probably needed a different level of nutrition and awareness of what was happening in his body. I didn't know it was happening because of my nutrition. I didn't know it was happening because of my nerves. I didn't know that nerves could be fuel. And so it was really learning about the science of nerves that hooked me into this whole journey first because I thought gosh. There are a lot of practices that I hope are true and helpful, like breathing or just relax. But not knowing what to do with that when I was sitting in a green room and waiting, um, it's the science of it that really intrigued me.
2: That, that's that's a great example. Thank you for for using that. And and to your point, everybody's unique and different, right? So what works for one, what you what what resonates, right? Yours, you had that ex, that religious experience on the toilet and and the nerves and and then you know you discovered okay wait the science and then you got into that and then that was your path and that helped you tremendously somebody else might have nerves as well but they didn't have that religious toilet experience and it's a different type you know that their nerves come out in different types we're all unique we all have different wants likes passions biorhythms idiosyncrasies right and so they may discover and so unfortunately but fortunately there there's no universal like this will work for everybody but what there is is what you're saying there there's there's a a universal truth core behind everything and so like you said like for nerves and and like there's a way like we all get them and if you can understand how they're affecting you in particular and what it is that you need to do or that clicks with you to say okay this is how I'm going to overcome them whatever way that is and the more you understand it period, the more you're going to be like, okay, this is my path mm-hmm. to, to, to fixing it, to, to solving this, right? Yeah. And, I, I
1: love what you're saying, Will, because I, I think you were talking about this earlier with science, and you're talking about this in terms of somebody else's journey, which is the personalization of these practices, and where do we connect with them? And I think so often, we go to others for advice, and we try to follow exactly the structure, or exactly the path that they have gone on. And I love this concept, I don't know who said it, but it's like, don't follow what I did, seek what I sought. So I was seeking to address my nerves. If you get in through your body, great. If you get in through your breath, great. If you get in through like thinking a particular positive thought that works for you, great. So like the the paths there that you're talking about, even with science or even with artistic expression, or even with experts, it's like find what works
2: for you and then lean in, right? That's right. And and it's amazing when you think about like how once you get into it, like you once once I discovered it, once you discovered it, you're like, holy shnikes, like why isn't everybody doing this? You're like, this is the this is the key to the universe, like understanding what this principle is and what's happening here, and then how I am I as a human being can can grow and, and, and either overcome it or, you know, learn to deal with it, whatever it is. Uh, you know, but most people take that low hanging fruit, like you're just saying, and they'll just scroll through Instagram and they'll see, Oh, this guy says to do this. And then the reality is they're not actually going to do it. Right. They're going to see it and go, Oh yeah, that's what I should do until they scroll to the next dancing monkey 0.5 seconds later and it's all over. Right. And so this kind of ties to something I'm always preaching with people is you got to have a system Mm -hmm. and every, uh, you alluded to it, I think at the beginning when you were saying, you know, all these people, all these people that you've studied and all all these successful people and that, that have created, you know, this, their own system, these coaches and these athletes and whatnot, they didn't do it accidentally. They created their own system. And so it's sort of like, okay, what's your system? And nobody that's ever succeeded, in my opinion, when I say success, that's a loaded topic, which we won't go down. The path. I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about like just basically being happy as a as a human being, long term, and not just the short term minutes. But real success is figuring out, yeah, you know, what it is that makes you happy, and continuing to to grow in that direction constantly, and just never looking back, and having a system to allow you to hold yourself accountable mm-hmm. to basically say these are the things I know. That I've identified will make me happy, and I if I don't if I don't develop the habits, then I might as well just you know it's nothing's going to change. It's the same reason most people have the same New Year's resolution every year, right? And so it's like you got to have some sort of a system. So speaking of, let's talk about your system.
1: Yeah, you know I I I love so many things about what you're saying, and and one of them, you know, it starts with this idea you talked about fixed, that you uh, thought of yourself as a fixed entity. And so, you know, that the antidote for a fixed mindset is a growth mindset and the willingness to how many people out there listening, how many people, when they check in with themselves, would raise their hands and say, I want to get better, right? And if that's true, then are your actions lining up with that? Because what I'm hearing from you is we can scroll on Instagram and get great general advice. But how, how do you take something and turn it into something actionable? And how do you turn it into something that's so small that you can't fail? How do you turn it into one step? You know, you and I probably both spent some time because I I noticed uh, with one of your videos on habit stacking recently, I don't know if that's from James Clear or some other system but the idea of like linking together two things, something we're already doing with something else. Like I could do squats while I'm brushing my teeth or I could be grateful while I'm doing something I'm already hardwired to do. What if we simplify it and we say, okay, it's not about the weight and the external goal. It's about a process and it's about a tiny step. What if all the things that we seek are lining up 1,000 tiny steps and doing them every day in tiny micro ways so that we have no other option but to develop momentum? So our system is rooted in growth mindset and our system is rooted in the science of Mihai, and Mihai's flow and study of flow state. And in flow, there are four stages to it, right? So a lot of us think about flow and maybe we don't know what that term means. So flow is like when we get so immersed in something we lose track of time and space. We've all been in it, whether we were lost in cooking or dancing or making love or something. We are so fully immersed in the moment, we're consumed by it, we may lose our identity, we may lose our thoughts. And so some people call that getting in the zone. If you're a baseball player, it's like, I couldn't miss. Like the, ba- the baseball was this big, right? It's, time slowed down and I just knocked it out of the park. And so we can understand the systems and sciences that can put us into the possibility of flow, but we can't control flow. Flow is one of those things that needs to be primed. And it starts with struggle. We all have to struggle at first. The struggle phase is so important. Like if we're a surfer, right, we go out Uh, we drive across town we get the board off we pull on our wetsuit we walk across the hot sand we throw the board in the water we go running through we get through the choppy waves that's the struggle phase and we need to do that before we can ever surf but then Mm -hmm. there's this release stage the second part is this release where we attune to the environment and we sort of switch gears from doing and doing into being and being present And it actually activates the default mode network and allows us to make connections, allows us a micro recovery moment before we flow or don't. We either flow or we don't. Maybe we flow for a few seconds, then we fall off the board, or maybe we ride the wave. Whatever the experience is, after we're done, some people are like, let me go again, let me go again, let me go again. And there's only so many go-agains we can do before we hit burnout and depletion and we need to recover. So the fourth stage of flow is recovery. And so if we're not actively recovering after we're done, we're not going to be ready for the next wave. We're going to be trying to be creative from a place of depletion and nothing creative comes from burnout. So
2: those are the sort of bedrocks of the- Okay. So, uh, yeah. Okay. I like that. I mean, flow is fascinating to me. Let's talk a little bit about, because like flow, I think a lot of people probably don't really understand. Like you mentioned, it's it's similar to what you say, like getting in the zone. Um, I just watched a really interesting TED talk on it, and I can't remember who it was. I'm was it Steven Kotler
1: with the Flow Genome Project becoming Superman?
2: Or... No, it's not him. But okay. I He's... need to check that one out. Okay. Um, if I think about it, I'll, I'll bring it up. But anyways, okay. he, right? He was just he was kind of going through examples of of flow, and so flow is you know it, ideally in it life. Might have
1: been Adam Grant. Adam Grant, Might have been. Talking yeah, about it that sounds familiar. The
2: goal for human beings is to sort of combine your strengths and your passions, and that becomes sort of part of your, your routine, your, your every day, right? Um, it's not to make a million dollars and go to a job that you absolutely hate because you want to make a million dollars because you think that's going to bring you happiness. That's just a dead-end street. And even if you made that million dollars, then you'd go, well, shit! I need two million now. And if you made that two million, you'd go. I need four. It's a never-ending uh, failure loop, right? So, but flow is when you're actually. It's like you, you get into the state of, it and he compares it to like uh, a poet who's writing, or a writer. And it's like you don't. Time just flies by. It, it essentially stands still, however, whichever way you want to look at it. And that you know, you, you're you're so ingrained and you're in it. And it's just the the words are flowing out of you. And it's just all just, it's, it's, it's a combination of your strengths and your passions and everything you've learned and all that hard work that you've done. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's like, you just created something incredible and like hours and hours or days and days have gone by. Um, and that's not something that you can really, you know, you're not, it's not like you're just born with flow, right? It's something that you have to intentionally develop. Yeah, I think,
1: I think that uh, it's a little bit of both in the sense that as, as human creatures, we can stumble into flow. We can definitely stumble into flow and have moments of it. But if we care about performance, if we care about optimization of self, if we care about even healing, like the reason I brought up Stephen Kotler's name is, you know, his, his relationship between flow and fibromyalgia, it, it transformed his physical self, his mind, uh, and it changed his body and so he picked up the work of Mihai Csikszentmihalyi's work and has created a project to try to do a mass study on the effects of flow and the mechanics of flow. Mm. So if anybody wants to geek out on the science, that's a great direction to go lean into. I think what's so uh, important to know is that flow is elusive. It's the most powerful state we can perform in. It's like highly addicting. It's... Uh, five times more powerful than orgasm. The collection of hormones that are surging through our body come together in this cocktail. And when people taste it, they want more and they try to chase the dragon on it. But the thing is, is that then they often try to chase the dragon by recreating their steps. Well, I found it through this door. Well, I found it on this day at this particular time when the moon was just like this, or when I drank that smoothie. We have to be at our edge of capability and our edge of growth. And so that edge is always moving if we're exercising at the gym, we know we can do more tomorrow than we could do today if we are growing our muscles. So I think that's a, maybe a really great way of thinking about it is our, I like gym that. the gym,
2: you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I like, right. And uh, that was a good, a good point you made that we can stumble into flow. Like, and, and something you just said, reminding me of um, this movie major league. Now stay with me now. Have you ever seen that? Oh yeah. Charlie Sheen, right? a boy. <laughs> All right, so that's going to make this easier. Um, you know, they start winning. Uh, it's you know this ragtag bunch of goons, uh, baseball players thrown together, and then all of a sudden they start winning, and several of them start developing these uh, like why it must have happened, right? Like you were just saying, you start backtracking your steps, like what was it, and and it just came into my mind, up your butt, Joe, boo, what he had. <laughs> Yeah, the yeah. idol that he rubbed every time before the game, or did something with the idol, yeah. and then, the, or it was the alcohol, and then the one guy, came know, he's like up your butt, Joe Boo, and he drank like the guys like idol that was like, the, and then they ended up losing, and it's like that just superstition. It's, it's such all. a right superstition. It's like people want to create a reason for why things happen, but it's actually it's out there, and if you can figure out how to harness it, like holy cow, is is that an advantage in life?
1: Yeah, and I think there's two things about that. One of them is like, whatever works. You know, if you want to wear those smelly socks and they particularly give you your superpowers, the psychosomatic and, you know, that aspect of it, of what the power of the mind can do, you may very well will yourself into a street. So I, I don't want to say it's the socks. It's probably your mind, the placebo effect. But, you know, whatever works, unless you care about hygiene and, you know, athletes. <laughs> um, but the other part of it is, You know, I I think there's a difference between a pre-performance routine and a superstition. And so can the routine be consistent? Can the routine be flexible? Because athletes know what they need when they get to the gym. Sometimes they need different types of music. Sometimes they need to dial in. Sometimes they need to amp up. They consistently check in with themselves and ask what they need. So sometimes what they need is they need to uh, really tape up because they have a sensitive ankle. And so they need to focus more on that in their pregame. Other times it's about getting into the stroke and getting out of their brain. So it really depends on what it is you're knowing that you need. And I think it distills just this great guy named Ken Black who worked at Nike forever. And he started a company called Spark. And um, he talks a lot about form versus essence. He talks about how it's really important for us to sometimes dissolve the form and get to the essence. So the form that used to work for us doesn't really matter, but getting to the essence of what it created. And so for us, the essence always is how do I want to be in that moment? How do I want to be in my year? How do I want to be in my clothes? How do I want to be in the moment when I'm switched on? What does it feel like to be me? That's really important. Like, am I present, am I playful, am I confident? And then our actions can tee up those particular things. So what do I do to get present? Well, breathing helps. Maybe getting into my body helps. Maybe looking in the environment I'm actually in instead of thinking thoughts about yesterday helps. Okay, what about confidence? Well, the way we talk to ourselves is the way that we get confident. So we can either hear the thoughts that are coming to us or we can actually choose a thought that we wanna think mm. before we cross the threshold. And so what else? Playful. I know for me, I'm not myself fully until I'm playful. So that's different for every person. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's mischief. Sometimes it's wearing really funny socks. I don't know. Whatever floats your boat. But to Mm. me, it's distilling the form into the essence and then coming up with tiny, tangible things we can prime so we can bring those qualities with us into the room.
2: Mm. I love that. I'm just thinking about, so I've definitely been in flow with. With various things throughout my life and uh, this is fascinating to me because right i mean i I definitely don't feel like I have a consistent routine to be able to get back there, like you're saying to me i'm more I'm more just kind of stumble on it, and I'm trying this is one of these these new concepts that I mean I've heard it before, but recently I've really gotten into it, and I'm trying to understand it and how to get there um I think of sports right so i I play basketball I've, I've played all sorts of sports uh, right now it's winter i'm in chicago and we're playing paddle which is a, a an outdoor tennis sport which sounds crazy in chicago oh, but yeah. it actually um it's actually really fun and there's certain matches i play on our team where i'm in flow and i'm like i can't miss and i know mm-hmm. i can't miss and it's like if i miss i'm shocked right it's like oh well, that was a mistake all right let's pick it back up and then i go right back in and then there's other days where i can't I can't hit it to save my life. It's almost like, and I'm like, what happened? Like, did my hand, like, what happened to me? Like, and I, I, and then I go through my head and I'm like, okay, what was it I was doing over there? And recently I've started to kind of do what you're, what you were just suggesting, which is before the match, I kind of take a deep breath and I'm like, okay, what is it when I'm in that flow state? And then like when I, I'm also paying attention to when I got into flow state, like the other day I got into one, I'm like, all right, what's happening here? Mm -hmm. like what and it was definitely breathing and it was slowing down is a big one for me thinking about Mm. slow if i if i try to rush to the ball and hit it i'm gonna hit it in the net or i'm gonna hit it long but if i if i walk up nice and calm um Mm -hmm. and ironically i've just got the nickname frankenstein from a couple of my teammates because i just i'm like this like kind of like or the terminator i just kind of slowly walk up and i just hit it and Mm. it looks like you know a frankenstein type movement versus like kind of jerky and and then I played a match after that, and sure enough, using some of those those thoughts and, and that it, it helped tremendously. And like you said, it goes back to our individualization conversation. Everybody's going to have a different a different thought, a different thing that that's going to trigger. And the best way I think is is to when you when you're in that state, try to like bring yourself out for a second, which is probably hard when you're in flow. But I was able to do it and just sort of say, okay, what's going on here? Like, why am I performing so well? Why am I? How am I in this state? Like, what are the thoughts I'm thinking? How am I breathing? All these types of things. And, and then try to mimic that.
1: So I, I love the instincts around it. I love the idea of like the why. Like, why is this happening? And how can I make sense of it? And how can I seek to do it again? Right? I think those are really important questions. If we want to um, learn something from the experience. The thing I question is whether or not we want to pull ourselves out of the critical brain while we're in the middle of flow. So there's really three types of mind, right? There's, there's positive mind, which a lot of us think of as the cheerleader self, the part of us that can psych ourselves up and use positive language. There's a the negative mind, which uh, some people think are intri- is intrinsically bad, but it's the part of our brain that allows us to be critical. So constructive criticism also falls in there. Like the part of us that when we overindex on it, we become the angry coach with the stogie, right? And maybe tear ourselves down. That's too much of that critical brain. But then there's neutral mind. Neutral mind is sort of the ability to um, see things from a perspective. And that's our best sort of space for learning from. The fourth mind would be no mind, which is when you're in flow, you're not actually having necessarily tangible thoughts. You might just be in your body and reading and reacting. So if there's the positive mind, the negative mind, the neutral mind, and then the no mind, what I wonder is allow yourself to ride the wave as opposed to standing on the surfboard and looking and measuring the ocean and going, how am I riding on this wave? Wait till it's done. Wait till you're having your jelly sandwich back in the beaches of Costa Rica and then reflect back, right? Mm. Like give yourself a chance to recover and then reflect. So I think the idea is really spot on and it's like, well, I don't want to lose it. I don't want to lose my awareness and my connection. How can I scan back to five minutes ago or 10 minutes ago, you know? But um, I, I might wonder if Interesting. Uh, right. So
2: that's an interesting point. and right. I'm just I'm thinking through on on uh, if I would be able to have gotten to that state afterwards or if I would have been able to have grabbed the same insights afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you, you, you have a unique example
1: because it, you probably have different rounds. You probably have different waves that you're riding. So there can be a mini reflection period in between waves. Like you don't have to wait till hours or days later. But I That's think, right. Yeah, so, so like if you have a, a at bat, right? You probably have four a game. So you can have a mini reflection period when you get mm-hmm. back to the dugout. What I love is a book called The Way of Baseball. And Sean Green talks about how there were terrible at bats where you hit a home run. Terrible at bats where he hit a home run and really amazing at bats where he struck out. And what he's measuring is not the result. What he's measuring is the mechanics of how it feels and what he knows are going to tee him up to a, a slew of successes. So he was like one of the winningest baseball players and hitters in history. And he knew when he could feel like a wave of genius coming on mm. and he could feel it before it happened. And so I think part of it is not just the at bat, not just measuring the results of one swing or one at bat, but like you're saying, the longevity, like the zooming out, like, can we get into that stage?
2: Yeah, right. So I guess, I, yeah. So, I mean, let's let's try to summarize this for people so as not to confuse them. So, right. In one way you don't want to step out of flow. I guess there's certain types of flow. You might not want to step out of sports, you know, right. There There are, I feel like there's, like even in golf, I love, I love golf. I, played, I went to Florida this past week. I got to play for the first time in months because it's so cold here. Yeah. And I was like, I'm probably not going to play well. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I haven't played. I'm just going to go out and have fun. I prepared myself before going in so I wouldn't be disappointed. And I actually got into flow for about mm-hmm. nine holes. My first mm-hmm. nine, there was moments of it. and then. But in between shots, kind of like you're saying, in between at-bats, I have a routine and and some it doesn't always work but this time it did and right i'm still as i said trying to figure out like okay why did it work this time where i sort of said okay what did i just do there that just i was right in the zone and it didn't even feel like i was swinging and i just hit it a mile and it was dead straight and i was able to sort of figure that out and replicate it and i was able to do it on that nine holes and i've done that before but then i've also i didn't play the next day because it was only one day of golf and now i probably won't play for another several months because winter here but when I go back I'll be you know it'll be interesting to see because the previous way has been I haven't gotten that consistent state yet like this guy you were just talking about in baseball where it's like I know exactly that feeling and where it needs to be and I don't care whether I play well or not as long as I get into that that state that's an interesting way to look at it and I haven't been able to do that yet and like I'll play well and then the next day I'll have a a crappy round again, like I was saying with paddle. Like, have I ever picked up a golf club? Hmm. And I haven't been able to figure that out yet. And that's, that's my goal, and I'm sure a lot of people listening here would like to do. Yeah, and
1: I think that key word is yet, right? Like, I love the optimism in that word. It's such a simple word, but you know, in growth mindset and the work of Car- Carol Dweck, it's like the yep. magic word.
2: Yeah, a lot yet of is people think the
1: yet. magic word is please, but like, the idea is I haven't figured this out yet, but I know you're on it. you're you're, you're on your way
2: hundred percent. That's it. Right. Because the, the growth versus versus victim. And, and so, yeah, so you're basically saying it's okay to do it the way that I'm doing it. And, um, but is there an instance where, can you give an example where people shouldn't step out of flow where you don't want to interrupt?
1: Well, you know, I think about um, a lot of the teammates that leave the streaky hitter alone at the end of the bench. You know, and I think sometimes it's, it's the tiniest thing that can pull us out of flow, because really what pulls us out of flow is distraction. And so part of our daily practice habits may want to be, how do I push the envelope every day on being able to deeply focus? I know my life is demanding. I know I have people that I'm responsible for. I know there are a ton of things that want my attention, my smart device, you know, my, my work life, uh, my grumbling stomach. So how do I deeply focus and push that in a world that really celebrates short attention spans and dopamine hits?
2: Totally. And that's, I mean, I, I talk about it all the time on this show and, and a lot of my work I do is I've realized it's centering more and more around this 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 culture that we're living in. And people, you know, it's happening slowly yet fast, right? So it's like technology is about is 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 rapidly evolving and even though we've had cell phones around for you know what 10 15 years now um the way we're using them like just in the last couple you know two to four years it's like it's everything now and and it's it's a habit that you can develop before you know it it's like you're you're glued to your phone and how are you using your phone right are you using it to make you feel better or Mm -hmm. are you using it to make you feel worse and this insta culture i mean and there's things coming from all over especially if you're addicted to social media and you're going through And that's why i'm doing the type of stuff i'm doing and, and you're doing what you're doing which is like i want to use it for good versus evil did you see that the social dilemma by chance oh yeah on netflix good yeah. one right that's a really yeah, good one for, for people i've talked seen. about it many times on the show but just to summarize for people listening and watching now it, it, the gist is you know our wisdom is rapidly Excuse me. Our knowledge is rapidly evolving, but our wisdom isn't. We're not keeping pace with all this, t- all these advancements we're making in terms of how we're using it and the responsibility of these huge companies like Facebook and Google and all these. Which let's not forget, people, they have a, fi- a financial responsibility, a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders to make as much money as possible. Period. We are in a capitalist society. It, it is not a, a government-funded program to make you happy and if it makes you unhappy and if it makes teen suicide rates at put it puts them at an all-time high and and it's making people less happy which science has proven back to science that it is well it is what it is right and then it's up to you as the owner as the growth owner not the fixed victim to sort of say okay how am I going to use this and so you know an example would be using technology for versus against you for me I like in the morning I used to read news and, and back when all the, it was like super politically heavy in the last couple of years, I would wake up and I would just the first article I would read, I'd be pissed before I even took my first breath. Yeah. Now I use this app called Flipboard and I only choose, you can choose exactly what, what you see and the, the types of categories. And so I do wellness and happiness and tech and things that I'm interested in gamification. And so those are the articles that I'm reading first thing. And I'm like, Getting inspired, and that's like pushing me to then be like, "All right, let's go. Let's start our day. Come on, rocket ship behind me, right?" Um, and it's so easy to have either habit. It's it was so easy to have that habit of reading political shit that that made me mad. And it was a little bit of a front-loaded exercise to to stop that failure habit and replace it with a success habit. There were moments where I would I would get that that you know um craving for wanting to go back and well what's going on with with trump and you know and it's like no i don't fucking know and, and i was able to just you know that whole term fake until you make it i forced myself i made a commitment going back to systems like okay this is what i'm going to do and i had a checklist that i use at the end of every day for that main habits that i'm trying to to form and that's where i hold myself accountable and i give myself points and stuff and um and i was able to you know and it took it took probably two weeks but then after two weeks I never look back and I have no craving to go back and look at that stuff. And how many years I looked at that and just let it destroy, like start my day off wrong. And there's so many people out there doing the same thing.
1: I love a couple of things that you just shared. Well, the uh, first is that we can use technology for good. Uh, the second is I'm hearing almost that how you prime your day, very first thing when you wake up matters to you. And so you're, you're basically, really being purposeful with what you put into your awareness. And you're also reflecting at the end of the day to check in and go, did I do the habits and how are they working for me? And so I think for for anyone out there listening, this is an ongoing process. And so the idea is like check in and see what's actually working and see how you feel when you consume, you know, six hours of TV doesn't even mean that the TV that you're consuming might be your favorite show. Maybe you're watching 100 episodes of, you know, whatever. But for my son, if he watches 100 episodes of his favorite show, he's going to be a zombie. So sometimes it's really important to be mindful of what we're consuming, how and when we're consuming it. And the technology, things like Flipboard allow us to be more purposeful. And those little tiny things can make a huge difference.
2: Um, not sometimes yes it's always important to be aware of what you're consuming so th- that that reminds me of uh actually last night i watched a documentary for the second time which is rare i love documentaries um and i liked i saw this one about a year ago and i remember liking it so much last night i was i, I, I my wife goes to bed super early i'm a night owl and so i usually get i like to get some stuff done at night and i usually have the tv kind of on in the background um And I usually put documentaries on and I was like, I'm going to put this one back on. And I kind of stopped working like 10 minutes into it. And I just watched the whole thing and it was called generation wealth. Hmm. And it's a perfect example of like what I'm choosing to watch. Right. Uh, It it was, and I, and I took notes during it. I'm going to make a blog out of it. I'm going to do a post on it. But it it was this, it was fascinating. The woman who directed, I can't think of her name. um, She was also the commentator she did that movie, The Queen of Versailles. I'm not sure if you're familiar, um, but it was basically all about how we're becoming more and more obsessed with money and wealth, and how we think it's happiness. And she did the she did it brilliantly. She interviewed these people back in the '90s for a project she was doing. She didn't realize she was going to make this documentary twenty some years later, but she did done did this project kind of on how the youth was so obsessed with wealth and and how the rich kids were living their lives and what was at the top of their minds and what they were talking about and what was important to them. And then she came back and interviewed these people like 25 years, 20 to 25 years later. And it was fascinating. And there was not one person in that list that um, had been centered on, that was focused on wealth and was like, I'm going to make a million dollars and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. First of all, none of them, only one of them actually did make money. Um, The rest didn't and um the one that did make a lot of money was miserable and she didn't say it she kind of tried to act you know like cuz this was her life now but she definitely kept alluding to the fact of regrets that she'd had she's now uh 45 years old didn't have doesn't you know didn't get married didn't have a kid finally finally found like a guy and had a surrogate kid and he left her like a week after um, and so now she's got this kid, and you, can, and you can see her for the very first time, like, starting to realize, like, holy shit, this is what life's about. Meanwhile, like, they flash back to the interview of her 25 years ago where she's like, this is a man's world, and I'm a woman. And I'm going to show them what it means to, to make money, and, and I have to work twice as hard. I'm going to do it. If I have to forego having a family, I'm going to do it. I'm going to show – and it's like she just became obsessed with this. And she now looks back on her life, and it's like, holy cow. And it was such just a great lesson, and there's you know, several other stories in there that kind of all came around to the same principle point. But of people, you know, we're so obsessed, and we're becoming more and more, thinking that money is the route to happiness. And if we could just get enough, you know, fame, clout, power, success, money, then we'd be happy, That kind of that victim mentality. If I could just win the lottery, if I could just – And, but the reality of, and anybody that's ever had money and made a lot of it, myself included, when I sold my business will tell you definitively that having money is not happiness. Like money's uh, having enough money to live and to have the things that are important to you and that you want there, there's a degree of that. And that's one of my cores is career in finance. And yes, that's important, but it's how you're making that money going back to what you Mm -hmm. were saying, like, um, but the money itself doesn't do it, and and in fact, it, it, it's just you'll end up way off, way worse off if you know that's all you chase for your whole life. And it's really sad to see people, you know, that basically base their life around that and go chase it. And then, I mean, this was like just a a straight up like comparison of like here you are, this is your mindset. It's it's like most people in America. It's all about money and fame, and I'm gonna one guy was a rapper. He's like, I'm gonna be a rapper, and I'm gonna have all this and I'm gonna have all these hoes around me. You know, and now here he is like living in a small apartment with his wife and four kids, and he's like, Oh man, was I an idiot. (laughs) You know. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I I I kind of went on that example, but going back to your main point, which is you know what you choose to consume, I just got so much from that. And it was like it was like going to a TED talk, you know, but yet it was entertaining. And that, and we're fortunate to be living in a world right now where you can get access to just about anything you want. And it's what you choose to consume that's going to make the difference in your mindset and your happiness.
1: Yeah. I'm also hearing in there this idea of like, I'm going to suffer now, but down the road, it's going to be better. And so whether the goal is the losing weight, the goal is the money. And I, I, I have to say one thing about the money. Uh, at the moment, which is what I'm hearing from you is like, extreme wealth, as a goal, like, like for somebody who is in poverty, the idea of making a million dollars, and then I'll be happy. What you're saying is, once you have the money, it doesn't change the rest of your life, you're still the person that you are, all those other things come with you. And also, like the Society of Therapists is basically saying that, you know, with the amount of rise of telehealth and therapy that's coming from the last couple of years from people that are struggling, the thing that they're consistently noticing people need is money. And so at the same time, our systems are set up in a way where when we don't have enough to do the basic needs of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the excess strain makes it really hard for right. us to go be creative. It makes us really hard to think about optimization of self, which is a, a larger tier in the pyramid. So for, you know, I, I just wanna recognize for a moment like how fortunate we are that we have this roof over our head and we have this these meals and the people that are around us that, um, you know, love us and, and support us. And and then once we, we have some of the foundational places in, you know, things, in, pieces in place, then we can pursue some of these higher and, and noble goals of optimization of self.
2: That's exactly right. And yeah. And, and that's what I was alluding to. Yeah. When I was, I was saying, you know, it's, it's, there's a certain amount and I actually just took this um, the science of well being that Yale happiness course. If you yeah. Heard of this. Yes. It's awesome. I highly recommend it. It's and free. It ties into and exactly what we're
1: saying. People can we all go about. take it if they want to there's yeah, a it's certificate free. Yep. if you want to get a certificate you pay like 50 bucks or something,
2: but. it's on coursera uh it is amazing and it, it ties exactly into what we're just what we're talking about here and like the main upfront, like first module basically goes into this thing it's called miswanting where we're we've, we're Mis- kind of stuck yeah and, and this paleolithic or primal brains are stuck in this like i need food i need shelter i need water i need to be around people so i don't get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger and so i have the best chance of flourishing and passing my you know, my, my seed on to the next generation. And that's still our basic instincts. And yet we're living in a world now where once those basic instincts are met, we don't realize that just continuing to chase, which is, is, it's, as I said, our, our instinct to want more, 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 it served us well back then, but now it's, it's killing us and it's making us so much more unhappy. And we have this, this miswanting is what they, they call the term of, of thinking that if I have this, it'll make me happy. And they, speaking of science, they do an amazing job. I and mean, it's called the science of well-being for a reason. It's just study after study after study, right? It's not just like somebody sitting there talking. It's like, and in this study, and in this study, and and they just study after study showing how, you know, all these people who, you know, when they're, when they're questioned and, and after they go through whatever experiment it is, will have came to the same conclusion that, you know money isn't the root of all happiness but there is that certain threshold like you were saying where you have to have your basic needs met but once you have that and it's i think like i mean at the time the number was like sixty seven thousand dollars a year like they had it to like an exact like you make sixty seven you know who knows what it is now i mean it was a couple of years ago but the point is like right just wanting more 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 um and they actually did a study, and they showed that people that said, okay, I'm making this amount now, and if I were to make this, that would make me happy. And then they had a certain amount, and it was actually it was like 50,000, and they said if I made 100,000, I think that would make me happy. And then they had a group that said oh, they were making 100,000, and the average was like 250. 250 would make them happy. And then they had people making 250, and they're like, a million. And it kept exponentially actually going up. Like at first it doubled, then it more than doubled, then it like quadrupled and the irony of it is like you get, you're making that 50 you think 100 will make you then you make that 100 and you all you can think about is making that 250 if you're caught up in that type of mindset
1: yeah i love that there's there's two things in there that i'm hearing one of them is stress is stress and our reptilian brain that primed us you know to activate the sympathetic nervous system and allow us to run from a saber tooth tiger is the same stress response when somebody says something unkind on our social media page. And so our body doesn't know the difference between saber tooth tiger and threat to identity. So stress is stress and how we manage stress matters. And leaning into the science of what stress is and how we can decouple from it really matters. The other thing is like, how do we switch off, right? How do we switch off from feeling stressed out? Because you know the, the idea of that there's never a there there that 50 turns into 100, 100 turns into 250. The antidote for that, the science of the antidote for that is appreciating this stage, appreciating this moment. And and people roll their eyes. They're like, just say thank you more, be grateful. But the science of gratitude is pretty powerful.
2: It's a big part of that course, right? Gratitude is one of the key modules that they talk about. There's several of them and gratitude. It's it's huge. People don't realize it, but it's It's so huge. And how,
1: so so understanding the science of it may make us make it a practice. And where does the practice come in? Well, maybe it could be the end of the day, right? There's this great study that talks about three good things that if you spend two minutes thinking about three good things at the end of the day, it actually, it's a great way to prime yourself to go to sleep. But then think about it, like that is the fuel that you're gonna carry into the next day. And the science of it is, so, I love the fact that, you know, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, they took these like octogenarian guys who registered as a low level pessimist and they offered them the opportunity to do something for two minutes a day for 21 days. And they registered on the scale as low level optimists after 21 days. And the thing is, is it lasted for six months. So the idea is like we can grow. We can, our tiny habits can make a difference. And optimism is the key to bouncing back to grit to long-term motivation, to success. So we think these things are trivial, but we understand in the ecosystem of what we're trying to be about, like you're talking about their habits. That interrupts the pattern of, okay, I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when. Maybe we can get to the point where our vehicle that we're traveling in is the happiness. The vehicle we're traveling in is the gratitude and the
2: appreciation yep and 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 a good example of this just kind of to to help people right now that are listening that they can do immediately going back to like my morning routine um one of the habit stacks that i have speaking of habit stacking which by the way you mentioned that that video it, habit stacking is when you take something a habit you're already doing kind of a neutral habit that's not necessarily helping you or hurting you um and then you you tack on a habit that you want to do that will help you and so one of mine is i take a shower every morning That's a, that's a you know, that's just a habit that I have and I've gotten into and I've been doing it for, you know, uh, but what I do is I also re- recite my mantra to myself and I do my stretches. So, um, I'm hitting my mind and my body. Cause I, I pulled my, I, a knee injury several years ago and I had a surgery. And so bottom line, I had to start stretching and I got in the habit and I don't, I, I, I realized that it's going to help me moving forward to keep my body in better shape. And so I just, I'd already gotten in the habit. So I just kept doing it. Right. It was like going back to that conversation. Habits don't care if they're good or bad, helping or hurting you. Once they're formed, they're formed. So do the work to get rid of the bad one. And then once that new one's in place, it's automatic. It's off to the races. And so, and then the other one's my mantra. And at the end of my mantra, my mantra is just personal things that I are important to me that I want to remind myself of that I'm working on in my life that I know again individualized and personalized that, that I want to, to to the type of person I want to be. And it's based on, I have this, I call it my back to the future list of of where I want to end up at the end of the day. And so these are things just reminders. And at the end of it, I have my gratitude list and it's what am I grateful for? And that's where I end it. And then I take like three deep breaths and I can't tell you, speaking of rocket fuel, like I get out of the shower and then I have, and then I'm like, Alexa, play my play wills playlist. I have my own little playlist. It's all my motivational music and I'm (laughs) fucking ready to go. Mm -hmm. You know, that versus, you know, I don't know what people's routines are out there right now, but you know, that's one that I've developed that there's not a day, no matter how shitty I'm feeling, that when I get out of the shower after reciting my mantra, what I'm grateful for, listening to my music, that I'm like, okay, let's go. You know, I Yesterday may not have been so great. And then at the end of the day, back to my system, I, I always reflect on how the day went. So when I give myself a score, there's two things I do. Number one is I write what was, what did I, what was the biggest challenge today, and what did I learn from it? And then the second one is what was the best part of the day that I can continue to build momentum off the following day? And it's very simple, tiny little exercise. And it's usually one or two sentences I write down. It's important in my, in my mind to actually write them down versus just think them. Um, and, but, you know, that just really, it starts to ingrain it into your mind. And then the next day you're like, you know, that awareness of, okay, yesterday I did this. It kind of threw me off. I didn't give myself as high of a score as I wanted in my momentum. So we need to pivot and we need to do this today. And what did work was this. Hell yeah. And you build that confidence, you get more energy, and then you do more of that. I love it so much, this book ending.
1: And I'm really, I'm so glad you articulated for people the idea of writing things down. So if that works for you, you know, you can think them, you can say them aloud to another person, you can write them down. I love the idea of um, in the shower, including uh, a little bit of cold immersion, I don't know if you do that. I don't, 30 seconds but i that's,
2: yeah, I can try it. It's, you it's, do the,
1: it? Thing, it's the thing, I, I have done it. And the thing that I've done it the best at is when I go somewhere and I'm doing like a cold plunge or I'm going into like a cold waterfall. Um, there's a spot up in Whistler where you can actually go and you do these five rounds of basically going into heat first. So it could be dry sauna, wet sauna, or hot tub. And then you go under either a waterfall or get in a cold plunge and you do it for, you know, push yourself much as you can handle 30 seconds, 45 seconds, a minute, two minutes. And then you go into a sort of warm or neutral, like sunroom or like a heated wrapped. uh, They have these hammocks where they have sleeping bags underneath these trees. So you're breathing fresh air and you're getting warm and you do this five times and it. Wow. It sends the good, rich, oxygenated blood to your extremities, and then it pulls it close to your heart, and it does this over five cycles, and so the the short version of it is try splashing cold water on your face, and if you feel up for it, do it at the shower at the end of your normal shower routine, and just notice, like, what does that do to uh, arousal and wakefulness? What does it do in terms of um, vibrance, you know, Mm -hmm. and also our tolerance for discomfort, you know, like, can we stretch our tolerance for discomfort? So I, I love that we're talking about morning routines and evening routines. And I, I think you're on it, man. Like these are, these are tiny things that add up
2: over time. Yeah, and you do them every day. And, and like we are saying, you know, I think the, part, the, the biggest takeaway just in terms of this, this habit conversation and, and routines is remembering – the people need to remember that habits don't care if they're good or bad mm-hmm. or helping or hurting mm-hmm. you. And that it's just that one tiny little step every single day – and 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 making that commitment and having a system to hold yourself accountable to saying, and I, again for me and I think the best way that I've found to do it and I think this is pretty universal is I used to call it the funeral list but that was too depressing so now I call it my back to the future list because I'm an '80s kid and I love that movie and yeah I love um, you know science fiction and all these things so it, it's basically I go to the end of my life and I look at each one of my cores and I say what do I want said about me at the end like. If I were to die and I'm being eulogized, what are people saying about me in each of these? And that just helps to sort of cut through all the bullshit and all that stuff we were talking about earlier, that that noise and that mess that's coming at us more and more in a million directions from all the different social media and streaming channels. And now it's not just TV, right? You got, what, what what did you see it on? Did you see it on Hulu, Apple, Netflix, Hmm. Amazon prime? You know, it's like it's, and it's only going to get more and more. So it's so important to be that owner A growth owner and take control of your life and say, okay, what's important to me? What do, where do I want to be at the end? What do I need to do now? What are the habits I need to develop? And what are the ones I've already developed, the failure habits through whatever reason, whether it was nurture nature, most likely, you know, as as we said earlier, we're in a a broken society in a lot of ways. And you know, the, the chips are a bit stacked against you. So not to allow you to take that victim mentality, but it's not your fault if you've developed certain habits, but it is your fault if you allow them to keep going. And so you just become aware of them and say, what do I need to do? And just start systematically replacing, replacing them one by one. And then once they're going, your mind, it's a really cool phenomenon and habits. They try to, they want to conserve energy. Our brains want to conserve energy. We don't want to have to think every single time, like, okay, I am going to now brush my teeth. I need to pick up the toothbrush. I need to, right. It's just, no, you do it, boom. And that's how all habits are. And so you want to get those ones that are helping you build that momentum versus slowing it down.
1: And I think if I could leave with one last thought, you know, you, you talked about that our, our habits are agnostic, right? They don't really care either way. But I think the other layer I'd love to just offer people is that we do care. And, and I think so often we might start something new and psych ourselves out immediately because, it doesn't immediately sound like the guy talking or what the book said. And I'm not instantly enlightened in flow and like having the success of my dreams. And so we have these freeways to our old habits. They're really well-worn grooves. And so the myelin in our brains that are wrapped around these practice habits, they are there to make those circuits more efficient. And we have dirt roads to these new habits that we're seeking. So, Acknowledge and accept and embrace the dirt road. Like if you're starting a new habit, it may feel bumpy and uncomfortable. And that's the point. It's supposed to. It's supposed to do that up front and it will change. And then at some point, like riding on a wave, uh, the ocean will take you. And like you notice the efficiency of our brains, you will notice a different way of being. You will notice a different set of characteristics. Bringing it full circle
2: back into that flow conversation kind of ties into that, right? Right. And that wave and just sort of getting into that, the flow of life. Like, like you're, you're no longer, I I like to use the term reducing friction. Like there's just all this friction around us and, and we allow it to build and and we, we make things a lot harder on ourselves. And it's like, there's so many ways to sort of navigate that to grease the wheels and, reduce the friction so that you can take off. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, dude, this was, this is, was awesome. Uh, Thank you. Will. Really, you. really appreciate you being on here. Um, you got had a lot of, a lot of great, great stuff to say. I, I, I apologize. I feel like I did a lot more talking than I normally do on my shows. You, you sparked some really creative, interesting topics that I was passionate about. Um, so um, maybe we'll have you on again in the future and will let you talk more. Is there anything that you want to end with to tell our viewers? Um, Leave us with yeah. here. I, I think. Thank you, and and I'm
1: so glad to hear and learn from you. And I think that's the thing, right? We're all walking each other home, and we're all here, hopefully, to learn from each other and be better. And when we know better, we do better. And, and that's the theme, not only of like what has changed, what I'm seeking to do in my artistic journey, but what you know are the essentials of the performers mindset company, and really the point of the Better Podcast. You know, the Better Podcast that I started this year is inquiring, like coming out of these few years, I'm curious to know what better looks like for us as individuals and collectively in our relationships, our relationship to health, our relationship to each other, our relationship to our craft, our sleep. And so, you know, learning from some of the world's top creatives and allowing us to borrow from their journey. You know, if you get a chance to check it out, I'd love for you to engage and uh, social and any anytime, I'd love to continue the conversation. I am enjoying learning from you and yeah, I hope you have a blessed day, man. Thank you.
2: Yeah, man, you too. Yeah. Maybe I'd love to get on your show if, if that's a possibility too. Maybe we continue it there. Um, I was just checking out your podcast and you've got, you've had a lot of great guests on there. Thank you so, so much. Kudos. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to, love to learn more and, and yeah, check out his podcast. Um, oh, and I forgot one last question. I always like to leave with our guests. Is there one habit that you feel like you have developed that used to be we'll called a failure habit that at some point you were able to transform into a success habit that's helped to build your momentum and happiness.
1: The most recent one really has to do, it's the tiniest thing, but it's, it's uh, morning hydration. So having one cup of warm lime juice with just a dash of Manuka honey, um, first thing in the morning, like a full cup of it i 've noticed an incredible difference in terms of my energy levels, in terms of kickstarting my uh, hydration nutrition and cravings around coffee or needing caffeine. So uh, little things like that have been a, a huge part. It uh, also affects sleep at the other, other end of the spectrum. So
2: Atomic habits, yep, the little ones, they add up. So be aware of those habits. Um, well, we covered some great stuff here, man, flow, habits, life. Um, good stuff, man. Well, thanks for being on and and look forward to keeping in in touch with you.
1: Let's keep it rolling. Yeah. And happy new year to you.
0: Yeah. You too, man.
2: Take care, everybody. Thanks.
1: Bye for now.
0: That's it for the five core life. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that like button on this video and pound that subscribe button. So you get notified when new episodes drop. Also, please fill out the free five core life evaluator quiz. It's a great way to get a baseline of where you are and the five cores and which of the five cores you need support. In addition, you'll get some actionable advice that you can apply and start improving your life in the areas that you need it most. That's it for today's episode of the 5 Core Life Podcast. Have a wonderful day.
2: Get moving. Gain momentum. Join the movement. Join Emmett by going to moremomentum.com to take a free life evaluator quiz on where you currently stand in each of your 5 cores.